Welcome to the Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast, your weekly dose of strategies and mindset tools to build a business in alignment with your purpose and to get you playing a bigger game. I'm your host, Nicole Leno. Hello, and welcome to the Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Leno, and I'm here with a special guest today. I'm here with Abby Ashley. She is a passionate online educator, multiple seven-figure business owner, and influencer in the work-from-home space. Um, she owns a business called The Virtual Savvy and Hello Savvy. She is an amazing wealth of information in the world of support and how to build teams that work together um, in a virtual environment. So I'm really excited to have you here, Abby. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you, Nicole. I'm really excited to be here. And why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about yourself, your story, or just introduce yourself to the audience and tell them what I missed in that very small little piece of your bio. For sure. Well, thank you again for having me. I'm Abby Ashley, and I own a business called The Virtual Savvy. That is my main business that I've been running since 2016. But I actually started maybe like many of you, I started out as a freelancer. A virtual assistant is where I kind of began this whole online world. And that's where my eyes were opened to, oh, wow, there is so much going on that I had no idea even existed. And um, I started off, honestly, just trying to make some money at home while I was a mom and pregnant with my second child on the way, uh, that business quickly grew. I actually ended up, uh, because I was pregnant, knowing that I needed to hire subcontractors, kind of went in with that hiring mentality of, I'm going to build a team because I don't want to have to do it all. Full admittance here, I am very easily bored. That's probably my entrepreneur self that just sees opportunity at every corner. And so I knew, hey, if I'm going to stick with this to the long run, I'm going to need to hire a team. So I not only was able to replace my own income, but I was able to really provide jobs for other people, which has maintained a passion of mine, you know, since those beginning days of 2015. In 2016, I launched an online course to teach other people how to start their own virtual assistant businesses. And I had no idea that that hey, email list, very tiny email list. Would you like a course like this would you know, grow into a multiple seven-figure business? We have 14 full-time employees now, as well as contractors, um, which has enabled us to launch a second business called Hello Savvy, which is going to be a freelancer marketplace to really learn how to hire contractors based off of mission and, and cultural fit. So I'm really excited about that new venture launching in September. That sounds amazing. I, I I love I love the vision for that. That it's like let let's make this more personal. Let's make this about culture and fit, and not about you know thirty bucks yeah. or <laughs> you know the ways that we can we can sometimes look to find people. And social media can be. Um, it, it's nice that is this system is this marketplace going to be? It's it's transparent. Like people are going there to buy something. They're going there to hire. It's not like social media where it feels almost icky when someone offers it, or there's this weird dance that we can do between like, are you trying to sell me something? Are right. Everyone's going to know. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I love that you, that you, you have the, the vision to bring something like that to life. Um, so I, I you're an innovator and that's, what's very exciting because I think it, it, there's, um, one of the things that I wanted to highlight when I was reading your bio and I'm, I'm taking in a lot of things about you is that I love that you took a business like virtual assisting and 
you made it, you scaled it to a seven figure business. Um, there's something about like scaling the unscalable, because I think a lot of people think that's something that you can't scale. Like you're going to be in this mode. You're going to be in that job forever. If you choose it, then that's where you will stay. Or I know people who have scaled sort of, but they're still very much in the weeds and that burns them out. And you end up not being in love with what you do anymore. And, and it's a really viable and an important piece of the team is the virtual assistant. So can you talk a little bit about, I know you, you said that you were on maternity leave or you knew maternity leave was coming. So you had a catalyst for like, I've got to hire, but what's the mindset that you took of saying like, I see how I could structure this where I can really be off for my maternity leave. And then beyond that to say like, I could really scale this to the level of like a seven figure business. Mm. I mean, I'll be completely honest. I don't know if I completely had that vision in my beginning days. I, you know, I am very much a fun based person. Like I like to do things if it's fun and if it's light and if it's easy. And so for me, um, I you know would start doing social media or uh, database management or blogging for somebody. And after a while, when it didn't become enjoyable, my strategic side of me said, okay, well, if I don't enjoy this anymore, what if I don't just scrap it and run away from it and try something new, which admittedly I've done in other areas of my life. What if I actually, um, you know, hired somebody and, and kept this thing going? And that's kind of been my mentality since day one of uh, when, when I kind of had that first light bulb moment. Oh, I have a friend actually from college. I mean, I, I wasn't even fancy. It wasn't like, let me go hire a subcontractor. I'm not sure if I even knew what that was when I was in those beginning days. It was, well, I'm kind of bored of making these images now. I have a friend who I know did graphics in college. Let me just call her up. She's a mom and see if she wants to create them too. I mean, it really started much less fancy and official than it sounds on the outside, right? And so I think that um, for me, a lot of it comes down to enjoyment. And that's that's what I like in general about the idea of delegation, the idea of building a team is, you know, I'm huge on becoming CEO, elevating yourself in your business, even if you're a solopreneur, to the position of CEO. But the great thing is, is that your CEO doesn't look like my CEO. And we see that from, you know, companies around the world who have had great success. My CEO means that I'm doing the things that not only do I enjoy doing, but that I'm good at too. Because I believe that if we're doing the things that we're good at and we enjoy, that's where we're going to find like our highest value in our business. And that's where we're going to make it light and easy and fun, right? And so, um, but that looks different to somebody else than it does to me. I love having a team of 14 plus contractors. I have a great friend who has a multiple high six-figure business with just one contractor because she really likes the weeds and the nitty gritty, but she's released some of the things she doesn't like and she makes great money. I mean, she has really (laughs) high profit margins, right? And she loves that. And so I think that it's not this, one one size fits all prescriptive model. It's what do you, when you look at your business and you look one, two, five, 10 years down the line, what do you want your time to be spent doing? You know, what would your swim lanes be? I use that term a lot. Um, what would you really enjoy doing? And then work backwards to get to that point. Well, and I, I want to kind of back up here to just a a point that you were making in there, which is that, or just, I want to highlight the fact that you had the presence of mind though, to say, 
I don't want to do this anymore, but that doesn't mean that I need to throw it all away, that I need to, because we talked about this before the show started about how there is this feeling, particularly with entrepreneurs to just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. Okay. I no longer love this. I've got to break it all. I've got to tear it all down. And in fact, you see a lot of messaging around that where it's like, here's why I tore it all down. Here's where I burned my seven figure business to the ground. First of all, that's lies. Usually they didn't do that. They just, <laughs> they, they, they shifted and created a new offer, but it sounds really good in a headline, but it it's, you didn't do that. You had the presence of mind to say like, okay, I'm not enjoying this part is this something that needs to go completely or is this something that i can hold on to and that i can keep and maybe it's an investment in my business how do you do you train people to do that now is that part of what you're training virtual assistants to do in the virtual savvy um can you speak a little bit about that process and how you hand that presence of mind and that process down to others For sure. So yes, that's a big part, I think, of when I see entrepreneurs that have been in this space, maybe the same time, same amount of time as me, and they look to my business and they're like, oh, wow, how did, you know, how did this grow and how am I the same? And a lot of it, I truly believe is I look back at 2016 of when I launched an online course and I'm still selling the exact same course. I mean, there's (laughs) something to be said for just sticking it in there, stability. And I'm not an overnight success by any means. Like we grew steady, 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 but always upward. And I think that a big part of that is just, I'm not sure if you've read the book Essentialism, but this idea of we can put our energy in five, 10, 15 different places, or we can take that same amount of energy and focus it down to one or two things, right? And so, yes, even the way that we teach, um, the way I teach your role as a CEO is, man, can we get what you're doing to be as focused as possible? When we're talking to your offers, can we get your offers to be as focused as possible to what type of social media, what kind of, you know, um, outreach are you going to be doing focused as possible? I, you know, back in 2016, when I launched a course, I was blogging and doing organic Pinterest, which Again, don't take that as prescriptive because it does not work in the same way that it used to. But, you know, I I just said, that's what I'm going to do. And I did that until it was processed. The very first person I hired was a Pinterest manager. So I kept blogging, but I'm like, well, now I have more margin now that that is a process and handed off. So then I started a Facebook group and that became my next way for organic leads. That group's about, I've been doing that group now since 2016, late 2016, early 2017. And we're about to hit a hundred thousand members in the group. And we do barely any paid advertising. Our our paid advertising budget is so small compared to other businesses. Sometimes we just scrap it all together um, because we have such a great organic momentum. And I think that um, it's really just about like we've done something and just stuck it out for the long run. And that's not to say, you know, there hasn't been things that we've evaluated and we said, okay, this really isn't working, let's shut it down because we have done that as well. But I think there's something to say about traction. And if you have traction in a business, in a product, in a social media outlet, whatever it is, and and you're bored or you're burnt out about it, that might be, you, you might be on the brink of something really amazing. You might be on the brink of, okay, I know I'm burnt out. I know I'm bored, but 
if this thing that I'm doing that does have traction, if I can put some systems into it, if I can systematize the process and hand it off to somebody who does have those passions, who is excited about it, what if it could keep going, right? And it's just that small mindset shift that I believe does cause you to get that momentum and that traction over time that can grow into something really big. So I love that. And you obviously have a very organized mind because you are, you know, you have the ability to focus on one thing at a time, which not everybody does, um, that growing and growing that traction in that one area. How would you work with somebody who has a lot of things happening right now, many different places where their energy is going? They're burnt out largely because of that and because they are in the weeds. So there is that feeling of like, who do I hire next? Where do I get it? Because it isn't necessarily as neat and tidy as blogging Pinterest. Okay, I'm going to hand off the Pinterest part. I'll keep the blogging part. And then eventually maybe I'll roll that off and then we'll roll into something else. Or even like your Facebook group, um, you know, you, you, you kind of rolled into these. It sounds, I'm sure it was less uh, less tidy than, than it sounds, but how would you advise somebody who has a lot happening and maybe it's not as obvious to them what the first piece is to hand off? Yeah. Well, I'll mention first, I am not naturally an organized or focused person, (laughs) but I know, I mean, if you saw, I, I create outlets for myself. So, um, for me, if you saw the amount of domain names that I have purchased, it would be embarrassing. I mean, I will, I have the ideas I will on a road trip. If I'm stressed, I, at one time we were driving back from Chicago because our flight got canceled. We decided to drive home instead. It was this whole ordeal and I'm sitting there and I'm all stressed. I said, I'm going to create another business just on the drive home. And I did, (laughs) and I did nothing with it. I mean, trust me, it's still there. It's still there. Um, But I will say, I think a big part of it, my, uh, I'm a big fan of Clifton strength finders. My top two strengths are futuristic and strategy. And I think it's just the strategic part of me is strong enough to say, I know, I know those ideas are exciting and maybe give yourself a small outlet for them, have fun with them, let yourself dream in, in a small capacity in some of those ways. But the strategic part of me says, grow the thing you have grow. It's mm-hmm. always like green grass is greener on the other side. That is, oh my goodness. That is so hard for me. It's like my natural mentality is the FOMO grass is greener. What about the other thing? But I have seen so much happen when I just tend to my own garden. And I think that that it's just something to be said about really, really just digging into what you currently have. So um, if that's the case and you're feeling like maybe I already did the whole thing, you know, I own like 15 plots of land right now because I've looked at so many other people's gardens. So um, I'm a big fan of and people hate this, but um, I even hate it, admittedly, um, doing a time study for yourself. Um, mm. I, I It's something that I try to do annually. Um, it keeps me accountable. I hate it, but I do it because it's always so telling. I'm like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. And then after I do it, I say, oh, that was good. That was really good. And so uh, the book Clockwork by Mike McCallowitz says, um, to do a time study in a way that's uh, trash transfer or trim. And I really like that methodology where it's like, okay, now that I've tracked everything that we're doing, and you can do this even without a time study. I've done that before where we've just listed 
what are all the things we're doing right now? You know, like what's all the activities that are happening? What's all the programs? What's all the social outlets? What all the, those little tasks, what are the weeds, right? List them all out. Okay. Is there anything that we're doing that we really don't need to do anymore? Right. It's just, you know, for a while we were putting our podcast videos on YouTube and it was like just three or four extra steps, but we realized at least for us on our channel, it wasn't getting as much momentum. It was kind of a different audience that we were speaking to. And so we said, what if we just don't do it anymore? And that Mm -hmm. question can be so freeing. I think sometimes we feel like we're trapped in our own prisons that we created. And it's like, you, you actually do have the key, right? Like you actually can get out and you have an option. And so um, I think trashing things, again, the whole idea of trimming is, hey, I have this 90 minute meeting. Could it be a 60 minute meeting that I do every week? So trimming things down and then transfer is the last one. And I think it's important to remember that transfer can be to an individual. It can also sometimes be to a tool. I mean, if you're manually doing contracts and manually sending this and that, switching to a tool like Dubsado or HoneyBook or whatever it may be, could be a way to at least transfer some of the time consuming tasks by paying for um, some software that could do that for you. So it's not always transfer to a person, although I am a big fan of that as well, which is why we're building our platform, Um, but just kind of getting into that mentality. um, and, And I think that could be accomplished really well through a time study. Yeah. And that's the time study is basically looking at, it's like a task audit, right? Where you're, mm-hmm. you're writing down, I know it's painful and I suggest my people do it all the time, not, not to do it all the time, but I do suggest it pretty regularly because people rarely actually do it. And it's basically for like a period of seven to 10 days or something, one to two weeks, you're writing down literally everything you do. I'm driving the kids to school from this time to this time. I am doing this, I'm doing that. And then you're figuring out, do I really need to do this personally? Is this something that really needs to take this long? What's legacy? What is, you know, what are legacy things that are just kind of like, I'm just doing them because I've always done them. That's not necessarily the reason that you should keep doing them. So just to clarify that, if anybody was wondering what the time study was, that's kind of what that looks like. And then you, you audit that and decide where those belong. And that's the, it's, it's trash trim or transfer. transfer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So just wanted to clear, to clear that up in case anybody was wondering what that, what the time study was, Um, because it's a very valuable exercise. It's not fun. I'm not going to lie. It is not a fun task to like, oh, okay, let me write that down. <laughs> but it is telling, very, very telling. For sure. um, I want to shift gears just a little bit because you are an expert in hiring. You are an expert. And we've talked about how you scaled your business um, from the CEO standpoint of how you view it and how you decide to hire. But I want to talk a little bit about who you decide to hire. I think that that's a very difficult thing for people. I, I hear it a lot where it's like, I've tried to hire and it didn't go well. Um, you're obviously very good at this. <laughs> um, so can you tell us what, what you hire for? So you mentioned that you hired somebody for Pinterest, but it wasn't necessarily somebody who was a Pinterest expert at the t- or or maybe maybe it wasn't the pinterest thing but you hired somebody in the beginning where it was like oh i know this person can you talk about like how do you make the decisions to do that and how do you make that decision successful for yeah. both of you well and and 
don't get me wrong. I've made plenty of wrong hires in my day too. And I chalk each one up to a learning experience. All right, here's what we'll do differently next time. You know, um, what I've come to learn over time is that having um, a set of company core values and hiring off of those core values has been the most beneficial thing that we've done. It's one of those other like, okay, Abby's wanting me to do more things that aren't working in my business, but working on my business. Yes. <laughs> but, um, you know, we, in every single one of our employees gets a little like plaque that has all of our core values on them. And we've noticed over time, the ones that really are kind of the key differentiators for us, it's we value action over perfection. We're a very fast paced company. We make quick decisions. We have a four day work week. And this is, you know, largely for um, employees that I'm talking about right now. But in general, um, you know, we're just a very fast paced company. And, and we believe, um, you know, it, it's that value first mentality. We serve first is another one of our values. And so we're really big on um, listening to our audience, taking the extra time to serve them irrationally to, um, you know, if somebody's sick in the hospital, we find out one of our students like, let's, Hey, is there a way that we can like send them flowers? You know, we, we encourage and, and have built it into like our metrics where we literally like measure how many times we do that because it's just, it's a part of who we are. And I think the more that you can um, define your company core values, which are going to come out of you as the CEO, right? Like they're, they're values that you hold dear and how you treat your clients or customers, whatever you call them and how you want to treat employees. And then if you can replicate those things, now that doesn't mean every personality is going to be the same, but it's like that core set of beliefs that I feel like you can say, okay, together we're a company that believes this. And that action over perfection one for us we have found is that one of the key differentiators that if somebody comes in and they want to like, really like uh, we, <laughs> I say, we don't hire craftsmen in the way that like, uh-huh. I appreciate craftsmen. I am. Oh my goodness. I can, I can like, you know, we have like a local place that does woodworking and I can like watch these people do. I'm like, it's amazing, but we don't hire people that'll take five days on a graphic. We hire somebody that can, you know, pump out 20 graphics in an hour. (laughs) Like it's just, Mm -hmm. and that's what works for our culture, which is going to be different for everybody else. So I think that really defining your company culture and, and deciding, man, this is Um, These are the values that we want to hire for and then beginning to look for individuals who have that same culture. We always say that we hire for culture, even over skill. Now, again, that doesn't mean that we don't hire skilled people. However, um, if I'm looking, we've we've hired it. It was a tech contractor once. So we had two that we were lined up next to each other. Okay, which one do we choose? Which one do we choose? And the there was one that was actually way more skilled. I mean, degrees upon degrees and experience upon experience. And then one that when we talked to him, it was just like, you get it. Like he grew up with all women and he was like, I, you know, I just really, I I just love what your company does, the mission behind it and this, and we could just feel that excitement. And it's like, you know, we're going to be able to, I just believe that you're going to be passionate enough about the mission that if there's things that you don't know, that you're going to be excited to learn them. And, and I will hire for culture over skill um, any day. So that's, that's, it's a shift for sure, but it's one that has really, really helped us, I believe in that hiring process. Well, I, what I like about that is it kind of forces the CEO to say, what are my values? And that goes into, so for everybody listening to this show who is 
Um, if you're a regular listener, we talk a lot about being overdoing. We talk a lot about, you know, your state of mind and your beliefs. Like that's what this show is largely built on. Um, and this approach forces the CEO to sit down and say, what are our company values? What is the way of being that we want to uphold here? What are the things that, what are those core ways of being that shape us as people and shape us as a company? And what what way of being do we want with our customers or clients? What way of being do we want with our coworkers? What way of being do we want on our social media? Um, that's just a great exercise for people to go through probably regularly to to revisit them and come back and say, are we upholding these and do these all feel as true and aligned as they did when we made them? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's such a powerful way to come to come at it because you can teach. Anybody who's qualified, you can teach them anything. When I I used to um, manage all the assistants at my corporate job in the division that I was in, and I was and I helped me along with my manager. We did all the hiring for every assistant who got hired in our division. So I think there were like two hundred or something of them when when we were when we were working there. Um, that we did all the hiring for all of those jobs. So if somebody left, we we hired a new one or we replaced people and moved them around. And I always hired for like one of the things I was always looking for when I was interviewing people was resourcefulness and the culture of the group that we were putting them in and really figuring like, will they fit in? Will they be happy here? And do they have the ability to learn as they go because growth is so important in any team aspect. You have to be able to grow with where the team is going. You have to be able to adapt and you can't need your, at at least in my world, I was like, I can't have people who need their hand held the whole way. I need you to be a self-starter. And a self-starter to me is somebody who can, who says like, okay, give me whatever information I, I have. If I have a question, I'm going to come up with the answer I think is right and present that to you and ask you if I should move forward with that or if you have another way to look at it. Like really own your position is really what I'm looking for people to do. A hundred percent. I We call it figure it outedness. It's a word we yeah. made up. <laughs> um, and I will say too, if you are still trying to figure out what is that for me, right? Like what I'm not actually sure what my company's um, what those hinging values are. There's a book called Hiring for Attitude by Mark Murphy. That is so good. I've, I've recommended it to people and they've said, Abby, this has changed the way that I hire. So I highly recommend that book as well. I love that. Um, we will definitely, I will be getting that book because that's just, we should all be becoming experts in how we hire the right people because yeah. that's where true freedom lies is being able to hand off with confidence the things that you don't want to do or the things that you're not good at to people who are capable and who fit with your company culture and the way that you run things that you feel safe and you want to do business with day in and day out. You want to work with them. That has to be there. For sure. Well, I I love this conversation. I love I love everything about um about what you do, the perspective that you have, just kind of your energy about about the whole thing. I I really appreciate that. I appreciate the way that you approach things. You have a very um very positive sort of aura about you. So this has been really fun for me. Um and I'm excited to see what you do with um it's Hello Savvy is the marketplace, right? That's where you're going. Yeah. Right? That's, that's the new that's thing fun. that's coming. 
And then the virtual savvy is your current, your current business, which is where you train, um, where, where you're training virtual assistants to scale their businesses, to scale basically an agency, correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. And I, I love that because we are moving to, I do feel like there was a sense of like, we have to do it all ourselves and people are really seeing the value of going to one person and saying, I want you to do all of the hiring or you to help me with filling out all of these positions. There's that agency approach is definitely, we're we're seeing an, an, an up level of that for sure. For sure. So where can people stay in touch with you? Where can they get more information about your offers, about what you do, and and uh, and to stay in touch to hear about when Hello Savvy goes live? For sure, yes. So we launched the last week of September for Hello Savvy. So uh, that will be live at hellosavvy.com. If you go before that date, it's a wait list, but it'll turn into our main uh, page there. And you can check out what we're up to with this new hiring platform. And then if anybody is maybe uh, a current virtual assistant, or maybe you're listening and, and you stumbled upon this and you haven't started a business yet, I do think that starting with services is one of the fastest ways to make money online. So you can check out the virtual savvy. We've got tons of resources, blog posts, YouTube videos, all of the things that were there. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. This was such a pleasure. And thank you, listener, who made it all the way to the end of this episode with us. We appreciate you being part of this conversation. Now, remember, you are only limited by the limitations that you accept. And when you stop accepting those limitations, that is when you become limitless. So go out there and be limitless, everybody. We will see you on the next episode. If you loved this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you want to stay in touch with us, we would love to have you as a part of our Facebook community, Practical Manifestors. It's a community for process-driven women looking for clear and actionable steps to embodying a life of wealth and alignment. Join us at Practical Manifestors in Facebook or go to www.innerceogroup.com.